You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Off and running on this uh, disgustingly cold Tuesday, January 21st. One of those days that you're walking on the street and you just have tears coming out the side of your eyes because it's so cold and the wind is blowing against your face and it's just disgusting. Winter is disgusting. But hey, good morning. Welcome in. Now that we got that out of the way. This is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Lots to do. As always, 60 minutes to run through it all. We uh, take you up until Golick and Wingo, who come your way at 6 o'clock. The number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. I'm on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. Daily poll question up for today. We will get to that in a little bit. want to touch on a, a variety of topics today. Uh, no one topic I don't think is going to dominate the show, but you tell me at 1-800-919-ESPN if there's something you want to get in on. Today is Hall of Fame Day. The 2020 Baseball Hall of Fame class is going to be announced at uh, 6 o'clock tonight on MLB Network. Derek Jeter getting in. We know that. The only question is, A, is he also going to go in unanimously? B, is anyone joining him? It certainly looks like, if you look at the projections, that Larry Walker is going to take another huge jump in voting. He jumped by 20% last year. But is he going to get another 20% this year? Because he finished at about, I think it was 54% last year. So he'd have to get another jump of about 20% or actually more than 20%. And he's in his final year on the ballot. Now, generally, in case you're not aware, last year on the ballot, you usually do see almost like a sympathy vote. I think that uh, some of the writers don't want to be the guy that keeps someone out of the Hall of Fame by a vote or two. But whether or not Larry Walker is going to get enough to get the 75% needed, we'll find out at 6 o'clock tonight. Kurt Schilling, he is obviously one of the names that you, you keep a track on. And then you have the other two guys, Bonds, Clemens, who are – well, Schilling is trending in the right direction. Clemens and Bonds really aren't trending anywhere. They've kind of stayed their, – their vote totals seem kind of flat. They were just under 60% last year, and last year was one of those years that if you were tracking it, the guy Ryan Thibodeau, who tracks it on Twitter, not Mr. Tibbs, he keeps track of all the publicly released ballots and seemed like last year, maybe not at this time, but a little uh, – maybe uh, uh, the months leading up to the announcement that it looked like, ooh, Clemens and Bonds, they're getting closer. Maybe not in this year, but trending in the right direction. And then the eventual vote totals came out, and what you see now – so far, uh, of the ballots that are out there, Thibodeau has collected just over 50%. But what you saw last year was when the vote totals actually came out, no, Bonds and Clemens weren't really picking up any votes. They were pretty much staying right where they are. So we'll get into that. We'll get into uh, the Super Bowl, Chiefs and Niners, get settled in for that for the next couple of weeks. You have the Knicks, won a game yesterday, beat the Cavaliers. It feels like a while since we have broached the Knicks as a topic. Now, the good news is they still stink. So all the points that I not, did not get to bring up over the last three weeks, they're still good. It's almost like when you go to the fridge and you think, wow, oh, this, this food has to be spoiled by now. And then you, uh, you know, maybe an apple, you bite into it. No, it's still fresh. So all those points that I wanted to make over the last three weeks, they still work. And hey, look, people, good news. Only 38 more games to go. Only 38 more games. 38 of them. You thought winter seemed impossible right now. You ever look out the window at like this time of year and you see the snow on the ground and it feels like it's never going to be hot again? It feels like it's never going to be nice outside again, even though you know it eventually will, but it just feels hopeless right now. 
Well, that kind of is like the Knicks. The Knicks are looking out the window and forget about a little bit of snow here or there on the grass or on the on the bushes. There's a what was it Newfoundland where they had that snow that like it just stacked up like people would open up their door and it would just be a wall of snow. Anytime I see those type of videos, I think to myself, well, why are you living there? Move. You know that's going to happen. What the heck are you thinking? I saw one of the videos where a guy opened up his garage door. He has a snowblower in the garage ready to go, opens up the garage door, and it's just a wall of snow. My wife looked at me. She said, well, what would you do in a situation like that? I said, well, I would hit the button back down, let the snow, and I would just stay there. I wouldn't move anywhere. And as soon as the snow melted, I'd move the hell out of Newfoundland or wherever it was. Then you have the story about the New York Mets, New York Post, the story with uh, how Steve Cohen, the future owner of the Mets, how his presence is impacting the search for the Mets' next manager. How the current regime wants to make it seem like they know what they're doing in his eyes. Do you think that the the manager search is going to be able to do that? <laughs> oh, we'll get to that too. But let's start with the Hall of Fame stuff because the Baseball Writers of America, they'll announce it at 6 o'clock tonight on MLB Network. And um, I will admit, First off, I hate the 6 o'clock announcement. I get why they do it, right? It's programming for, for MLB Network, and it's great programming if you're a baseball fan. But they used to, back in the day, I don't want to be that guy, but back in the day, they used to announce it at like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And I felt like that was so much more productive and so much more, it was just better for the sport because you'd have this whole day of baseball talk. Now, look, it'll be a topic on all the shows, I'm sure, but it's all hypothetical. It's all everyone's opinion where you could have the actual results at 1 o'clock. You could still do it on Baseball Network. You could still get the programming. But you'd have a full day where all the focus was on something good surrounding it. Baseball's been the focus a lot here during the NFL playoffs and during the NBA season. But it's not been for good reasons. But tonight, 6 o'clock, you get the announcement. And I'll admit when Harold Baines got in, uh, I think it was two years ago now, I said, you know what? I'm out. I'm good. I stopped caring. The Hall of Fame Museum is eight, more than eight hours round trip from my house. I'm probably never going to go there again. If I do, it's not going to be anytime soon. So once Harold Baines got in, anyone who watched Harold Baines' career outside of basically Tony Roost and his friends knows Harold Baines does not belong in the Hall of Fame. Good career, nice career, not a Hall of Fame career. And I don't believe anyone while they were watching his career said, you know what? Boom, that guy, he's a Hall of Famer. And I felt like, how was I ever going to have broached this topic again? I've used broached now twice in the, the course of the show already. Probably a new record. But how are you ever going to approach this topic again with any real fervor when the fallback is, well, why are you getting so upset? Harold Baines is in. If Harold Baines is in, why can't this guy be in? But as someone who loves baseball, you realize that more than any sport, the Baseball Hall of Fame matters in terms of conversation, more so than all the other. Now, I'm not saying that the other ones are not incredible honors to the people who get in, but at the end of the day, we don't really spend that much time as fans arguing about who gets into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Once in a while, there's a case. When Terrell Owens was getting denied the first couple of years on the ballot, that was one where we're like, this is ridiculous. Obviously, this guy is a Hall of Fame player. Look at his numbers. Look at where he, he wound up. And the Basketball Hall of Fame, I don't really remember having it. 
for all the hours of, of programming on the station, I don't think that we've ever really had a conversation about somebody who belongs in the Basketball Hall of Fame or, or, or outrage on either side. So the Baseball Hall of Fame matters mainly because of the process. Say what you want about the Baseball Writers of America, but they've largely gotten it right. Which makes that dopey today's game ballot nonsense such a joke. Like the writers get it right. We don't need an, another avenue. And certainly not out of the hands of the baseball writers. Now, if you want to come up with something else to once in a while reevaluate the ballot and reevaluate names that have dropped off or, or, or have gotten through their 10 years, okay, fine. But I still think it should go through the baseball writers because they have largely gotten it right. And they have the one Hall of Fame that people do debate outside of Harold Baines's inclusion. So I was out. But again, because I'm a baseball fan, it dragged me back in. When there's baseball to watch, I watch baseball. But when there's not baseball to watch, much like football, I like to think and talk about the sport. All these sports want to have it so that there's always kind of conversation about even when the season's not going on. And baseball really was the first one to do that. Football, I think, might have um, overtaken it in terms of having conversation points in the offseason between free agency and the draft and coaching searches and all those kind of things. So we'll get the announcement later today. Derek Jeter obviously is going to get in. He's the only lock. Sixth all-time in hits, 34-65, 14-time All-Star, five-time World Series champ. Not really going to spend much time on that one. That one's not debatable. I don't have any hot takes. Keep Derek Jeter out of the Hall of Fame. Nobody is going to have that article. The only question is, does he uh, get in unanimously? Now that that distinction is finally over with, with Mariano Rivera getting 100% of the votes, We'll we'll see if that it's going to go either one of two ways. Either it's like now that that seal has been broken, someone else will also get that honor right almost right away with Derek Jeter, uh, or does it seem like uh, that they go the other way? All right, we did it once, we're not doing it again. And then you get to the others. Larry Walker, as I said, seems to have the best case. Ryan Thibodeau has Walker with fifty one percent of the votes public at eighty three percent, and that's generally. Where you kind of have to be trending. The, the, the publicly released ballots are always a little bit more favorable towards players than the ones that are being kept secret or not announced or whatever. So at 83%, it certainly seems like Larry Walker would have a good case and is projected in the, in the right around area. If he was projected at like 76%, he would not be getting in. But at 83%, maybe he has a little bit of wiggle room that he will get in. If he gets in, I'm not saying if I had a ballot that I would necessarily be voting for Larry Walker, five-time All-Star, finished with a slash line of 313, 400, 565, an OPS of uh, 965, OPS plus of 141, excellent defender, very good arm in right field, surprisingly good base runner. If you had a knock, he was it was that he was constantly knocked. He was constantly hurt, played only 150 games one time in his career. Uh, I'm not saying that I wouldn't vote for him, but since I don't have a vote, I really haven't spent much time thinking about Larry Walker. But the more you think about it and the more you look at his numbers, he does belong in. Because the the two knocks you could possibly have for him, A, he was hurt, which he was hurt a lot. He was hurt a lot. He was out of the lineup a lot. And the best ability, as it's been said before, is availability. The other knock that you might have, well, he was playing at Coors Field, probably the best hitting environment ever. And that is true. That probably inflated his numbers some, but when you look at his splits, his numbers on the road, while significantly lower, still are Hall of Fame worthy. So if Larry Walker gets in today, no problem either way. He's not really a polarizing case to me. 
The polarizing cases are the guys who are not going to get in. And to me, the guy who has a better Hall of Fame case and is almost certainly not getting in today is Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling tracking at 79%, so probably comes up short again. Last year finished it around, I believe, was it 60%? I'd have to take a look at the numbers again. Kurt Schilling, yeah, 60.9%. He's on the eighth year on the ballot. And it's been said before, but it bears repeating. Kurt Schilling has said plenty of – and the only reason he's got not gotten in is because of the things he said. He said controversial things. He said dumb things. He said things that he probably regrets now. What's not controversial, though, about Kurt Schilling is his Hall of Fame career. That guy is a Hall of Famer, simply one of the best pitchers of his era. Perfect blend of power and precision. When you watched him in his career, there was no question, even without looking necessarily at the numbers, just living through his career, you said while watching him, that's a Hall of Famer. And that's even before you got to his postseason career, which is one of the best of all time. By all measure, that guy is a Hall of Famer. He's in his eighth year, and I do think it would be a terrible look for the baseball writers of America if over, I don't think he's going to get in today, but over the next two years, if he does not get in. So then you're left with the question of the tainted guys, Clemens, Bonds, the steroids guys. And whether or not they get in, not today, because again, as I said, they were tracking it about 60% of the vote. And that's kind of where they have been. They've come up some, but you'd have to think that they are not the typical case. The typical case is the later you get into the ballot, you generally pick up some votes. And that usually in that last year, you get a little bit of a sympathy vote. I don't know necessarily that they're going to get that. So our poll question, which is up for today, it's on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. The Baseball Writers of America announcement comes at 6 o'clock tonight. Both Bonds and Clemens almost certainly are going to come up short. So with two years left on the ballot, do you think ever will be elected by the Baseball Writers of America? I'm not saying the today's game ballot, whatever the stupid thing they call it now, the Veterans Committee. I'm not coming. I'm not saying anything else that they might come up with down the road. By the Baseball Writers of America, do you think Bonds and Clemens will ever get the necessary 75% of the vote to get in? That's the poll question today. Coming up, I'll give you my answer to that. Still looking for updates on that that story about the pigeons with the hats. Have you seen this story? Brought it up on Saturday. Apparently, it started in Vegas where there was uh, this pigeon that was found wearing a hat. Somebody had obviously captured the pigeon and glued a hat to its head. Right, The hat's not going to stay on by itself. It's not a fitted hat for pigeons. And you just wonder, like, what kind of psycho is out there who is capturing pigeons? And I would you would have to think before he captured the pigeon, he has either purchased or come up with a way to design and, and manufacture his own hat for pigeons. But now apparently there's been more cases of it. So now they're trying to figure out who this, this weirdo is. I just don't know how it was even noticed. Like, if you had a do you notice pigeons on the street? I feel like this could be go- this could have been going on for years and nobody noticed. I don't feel like I don't even look people in the eye when I walk on the street. Never mind look at pigeons. I just kind of you know brush them aside with my feet because they're soup- they're the laziest birds in the-, in the history of birds. But apparently, there's been more cases. So I- I- this is a story that's fascinating to me. Fascinating. And whether or not they'll ever be able to track this. They have a serial killer on Long Island. 
and they can't track that guy down, what's the chances of you finding the guy putting hats on pigeons? I don't think it's very good. Hey, it's the Gordon Damer Show. It's 98.7 FM ESPN. You're not going to get any pigeon hat talk in any of the other shows. That's exclusive. If they, if the other shows start talking about that, let me know because I feel like that's exclusive to this show. All right, so the Mets, they're looking for a manager. Speaking of things that are going to be tough to find. Mets are looking for a manager. Obviously, one of three teams looking for a manager with about three weeks to go before spring training. The Astros, the Red Sox. Nobody has found one yet, but the search goes on. And there's an interesting article in the New York Post about how the ownership change for the Mets, whenever it does take place to Steve Cohen, is impacting the team right now. As the front office, I guess, is trying to figure out the best way to be in the good graces of Steve Cohen. This is from the article in the New York Post. Only days after Carlos Beltran's departure, after he was named in Major League Baseball's report detailing the Astros' illegal sign-stealing scheme, there's been some level of paralysis in the Mets' front office on how to proceed. A person familiar in the process indicated on Monday. At issue is Steve Cohen's impending majority ownership takeover and how the managerial hire by general manager Brody Van Wagenen and his staff will be perceived by Cohen. According to the person, there's a level of concern that if the Mets hire somebody who wasn't originally considered for the job, it'll look bad to Cohen, reflecting poorly on a front office that will be in limbo once the ownership transfer is complete. Well, you know what really looks great? A front office that can't seem to get out of its own way. One that takes days and days to take the temperature to see what's going to go on with their 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 pat the, the the manager they've already gotten rid of in Carlos Beltran, and then apparently taking more time to figure out what the next step is. Nothing speaks to being in the control of the situation quite quite like paralysis. That's never the word you want to be used in relation to your whatever you're doing. So a front office that can't seem to get out of its way. Like, you don't have to just focus on the task at hand. Like, there's a very good chance that the new new owner is going to make significant changes. The only way that that probably would not take place is if the Mets and the people in charge stop worrying about how it looks and start worrying about how it works. If you worry about how it looks, you're going to be focused on the wrong thing. Don't worry about what the perception is or how Steve Cohen likes it or doesn't like it. The only thing that saves you, and I'll admit it's probably a long shot, because whoever the new owner is, unless the Mets are coming off a World Series title or a deep playoff run, which I don't think is out of the realm of possibility, but that's the only thing that's going to save you. Any owner that comes in is probably going to want his own guys, his own changes. So the Mets people who are making the decisions should only care about what is the best thing moving forward, not about how it looks. And if they are asked, well, why did you go in this different direction? Like, say they hired Dusty Baker, right? They didn't interview Dusty Baker when they were looking for a manager a couple of months ago. And now all of a sudden they're going to look and maybe, not that they're going to, but let's just say they they did make that move. And they're worried if they make that move, it'll look bad to the, the future owner. Well, you simply say, we felt strongly about Carlos Beltran. Beltran was someone who we thought of as a star in the making. Once his name came out, well, not once his name, a few days after his name came out, we felt like the situation was untenable. And I, maybe they were right based on some of the things that uh, Marcus Stroman said. Although I think that if Carlos Beltran was still the manager of the Mets, 
while Marcus Stroman might have felt that way, I don't think that he would have put, put it out there publicly. But that's for another conversation for another day. But all the Mets have to say is, look, we thought Carlos Beltran was this untapped resource that we were going to be able – we were getting in on the ground floor of the managerial career of Carlos Beltran. And we felt good about that. But when the situation changed, we realized that we had to dramatically change course. This was not hiring a manager at the beginning of the offseason – and giving him the necessary time to get his plan in place, get his people in place, get up to speed, and away you go. Once it became the situation that it was, where we had three weeks until pitchers and catchers were reporting, we realized we can't take a chance on somebody who might have a high ceiling but a low floor. We realized we had to get a safe choice, someone who has been in the job before. That's all you have to say. And it will be based on what the results are. So if it's Dusty Baker or Buck Showalter or another established manager and one that they did not interview previously, the situation changed. So they should not be worried about what the perception is of Steve Cohen or how it looks. They should worry about how it works and make sure that it works. Are you willing to bet your life, bet your career as a general manager, if you're Brody Van Wagen or, or an advisor to the Mets? Are you willing to stake your reputation on somebody who's never done the job before? I do expect that that would be the case, but if I were in that role, that would not be the way I go. But I expect that that probably will be the way the Mets go. And that, to me, if you are constantly worrying about what this person thinks, what how is it going to look this way, that you're not focused on the right things. And it feels like right now that the Mets are not focused on the right things. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. If that story is true, maybe that's just somebody who's talking out of school that doesn't really know what they're talking about. And maybe either today or tomorrow or or you would have to think by the end of the week they'd have to have a manager, right? Like the last thing the Mets need right now as a team that is currently worried about what the perception is around them, the last thing they need is for the Astros and Red Sox to find managers and then for still for them to still be looking. Especially if they, because I think that, well, maybe not the Red Sox, but certainly the Astros, they were in a better position. If they just put a, a competent manager in there, they're still going to have a very good team. And the idea that the, the Astros have been hammered by Major League Baseball, or at least the perception that the Astros are now going to take this big step back. I brought this up on the Saturday show. In terms of betting, nobody actually believes that. Everybody still thinks the Astros are still going to be pretty good because at last check, they were still, in terms of odds to win the World Series, they were number two. And that's after the manager was fired. That's after the general manager was fired. All right, so the Hall of Fame thing. Poll question up for today on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. There's nothing to do with pigeons and hats. It has to do with the announcement today. Bonds and Clemens almost certainly are going to come up short again. So they have, after today, they will have two years left on the ballot by the Baseball Writers of America. Do you think that ever will be elected by the Baseball Writers of America? You can vote on the poll question. It's up on Twitter at Gordon Damer. Well, look, I don't think that they are going to get in. And it's funny to me some of the mental gymnastics that some of the writers come up with. I've seen people who have voted for Bonds but not for Clemens. How do you make that distinction? <laughs> like I would disagree with you putting any of them in. I would not put them in myself if I had a vote because of what they did. They knew what they were doing was wrong. And don't give me this, well, it wasn't against the rules of baseball. No, it was against the rules of baseball. And I'm simply not going to honor someone who did something 
dishonorable. Being elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame for a baseball player is the highest individual honor you can have. And I'm simply not going to have a day where I sit back and have everybody congratulate these guys who did something that played with the integrity of the game. Now, Bonds and Clemens, I think, were great players to begin with. And there's almost a part of me that can almost, maybe not respect, but at least understand the rationale of other guys who are not great play. Like, many people will not vote for Sosa because they feel like, well, Sosa, he was a product of steroids. I don't know how you would know that for absolutely sure. But okay, the mental gymnastics that people go through. Like, if you're just voting for people, if you're going to let one of them in, well, then just let all of them in and just base it on the numbers. So vote for Sosa. Vote for, you should have voted for McGuire when he was still on the ballot. Vote for all these guys. But especially with Bonds and Clemens, they got all the other honors. They won MVPs. They won the Cy Youngs that maybe they wouldn't have won without the stuff, obviously. And it is the baseball writers of America's job to kind of protect the hall from guys who cheated the game. It is their job to, you can't say, Hey, you know what? That's not my job to figure out who was and who wasn't. No, that's, that is actually literally your job. It's to, to protect the hall of fame from people who did things dishonorably. And I realize that there were already probably cheats in. I think Ivan Rodriguez would be the biggest one. I mean, that one's been pretty well documented that he used stuff. And he's already in. And I'll hear people bring up all the time, well, Gordon, it's just a museum. Well, no, it's partially a museum. If you've never been there, you walk in and it's all exhibits and, and, and memorabilia and jerseys and hats and different things like that, which tells the story of baseball. So if you want to put Roger Clemens or Bonds or Sosa or McGuire. I know when I went there, it was probably 15 years ago now. Maybe not that quite that. Maybe 10 years ago now. There were examples and, and memorabilia from Bonds and Clemens. But there's a separation of it just being a museum. The museum part, yeah, sure. Tell the story of baseball. Those guys are. But there's another part where it's guys who are honored as the greatest players in the history of the game. And I'm sorry, if it were my vote, I simply would not be honoring people who did something as dishonorable. And it's pretty clear. I don't I don't need to have a smoking gun. That's another one that people do with the mental gymnastics. Well, Manny Ramirez, he tested positive, whereas Clemens and Bonds never did. Well, Bonds admitted to using it. Now, he said he didn't know what it was, but, the, I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you're on a you're you're the you're the jury, and you have you're hearing the evidence. Does that pass the smell test to you? No, of course not. It's ridiculous. Everybody knows. Now, I'm not telling you that we know everybody who did. That might be harder to do. But uh, of the ones that you know, so now you're just going to avoid that responsibility whatsoever. Well, did they use? Yeah, of course. Well, then what's the problem? I get that you you're not. You're not uh, Magnum P.I. tracking down every single case here. But of the ones that are uh, uh, obvious as the nose on your face, you're just going to shirk the responsibility there and say, well, you know what? I can't know all of them, so I'm going to let them all in. I, I don't understand how that makes sense to you. You. 
you clearly don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am not in danger, Skyler. I am the danger. Oh, yesterday was the day. 2008 was the day that uh, Breaking Bad premiered on AMC. Still holds the title as the greatest television show of all time. And I almost wish I could go back and not know anything about it. I wish I could just wipe that part of my brain, but with the knowledge that you have to go watch this. Because, unfortunately, it ruined all other shows. There's not going to be a... It's hard to uh, ever think that there's going to be another show that comes along that is even remotely close to the level of that. Because it was a similar story for everyone, and it was kind of a perfect storm. Nobody really watched that show when it first premiered. It was until the word of mouth got along. The guy from Malcolm in the Middle? Tim Watley from Seinfeld? Really? I'll give it a shot. And then, of course, Netflix. That was when Netflix first started streaming. So you could watch episode after episode after episode. Wasn't like when Netflix used to send a disc to your house. I mean, that's like prehistoric times. They used to send you the DVD in the mail and you would mail it back. And I remember when they first started streaming, people were like, I don't like it like this. I prefer the, the I prefer the email. They mail me the, the, the disc and then I'll mail it back to them when I'm finished. <laughs> we're living in an amazing time. They just beam it directly to your head and people were complaining. It's like Easy Pass. When Easy Pass first came out, people didn't like it. Oh, I don't I don't get this. I don't How would you like not to wait in line anymore? No, I don't like it. Hey, it's 98.7 ESPN Superbox Bonanza 2. We're giving away over $10,000 in cash and prizes, including a $3,000 grand prize. All you have to do is listen for your chance to win 100 boxes. To February's big game will be given away during the uh, DPH Tricanti and Rothenberg show, 10 to 1. The all-new Barton Hahn show, 1 to 3. And the Michael K show, 3 to 7. All this month. Plus, we'll have 10 super boxes with even more great prizes. All brought to you by PC Richard and Son. Get ready for the big game with a new TV from PC Richardson and your home for football, 98.7 ESPN. All right, so we've uh, touched on the baseball a lot. 1-800-919-ESPN. I don't know where the garbage can is. 1-800-919-3... Oh, whatever. 1-800-919-ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. I did want to touch on the Knicks quickly because they played yesterday. That is an audience that we like to serve because there are a lot... Nick fans are out there. They're diehard. They are the most diehard fans in this town. No questions asked. But I'll be honest with you, the combination of, talking of a perfect storm, a combination of them being out on the West Coast, the time that we do this show, and the fact that they're terrible has not really led me to feel the need to discuss them. And let's be clear about this. Let's just bottom line this. Last offseason, not two years ago, not three years ago, last summer, there was a chance to change the narrative. We now know they did not change the narrative. And even after the offseason went the way that it did, if you wanted to be slightly optimistic, you'd say to yourself, all right, look, they won 17 games last year. They bottomed out. That's what they had to do. They get R.J. Barrett. And now starts the process of hitting the bottom and kind of bouncing up and seeing how far up they could get. As bad as the offseason went, I didn't think it was the worst thing in the world. The worst thing would have been to give max contract to player and lock yourself into guys who are not max-worthy players. And the Knicks have done that before. But let's be clear about this. As we are now past the halfway point of this season, I think this much is clear. The Knicks, as currently constituted, 
are not on the road to anything. They are stuck on the side of the road. Do I like R.J. Barrett? Absolutely. Do I like Mitchell Robinson? Sure. Are there pieces on this team that I hope maybe develop into something? I hope. I don't, I wouldn't bet any money on it. People will tell me, well, you know what? I like the direction of the Knicks. There is no direction. They are a fish floating on its side at the bottom of the tank. There is no direction. There is no plan. What is clear is they need a massive overhaul. They need to start fresh. They need to bring in someone, again, who has the ability, not just the ability, but has a track record. They can't continue to go the way they are. And if we get through this season, I don't know how many games they're going to end up winning. I don't really care what it is. It could be 25. It could be 26. It could be 26. Whatever. They are not in any way significantly better than they were last year. And there's no way that they can tell you, based on how this season has gone, on barring some unbelievable change as the season goes along. We have found out that, yes, Mike Miller, as a coach, has done a better job than David Fisdale. But at the end of the day, it's still a mess. And wins like yesterday do nothing. They do nothing but make the case for the people who are in charge. Well, see, it's not so bad. We're better than we were last year. We're going – no, you're not. If you were – if you had a significant change in what the actual outcome uh, – the, the actual uh, results of the team are, it would look a whole lot better than this. If this was the first step towards respectability, it would look a whole lot better than this. Nothing has changed. So unless something does change after the season, let these guys finish it out. Let them have the complete year and see where it goes. But if changes are not made – after this season, and someone is brought in who clearly knows what they're doing. And clean house, that's the first step. It's not just about coming out and getting somebody and bringing them in who has a track record or anything like that. It's first about cleaning house to the people that are here no longer have an impact on the decisions being made. They've had their time. They've had their chance. It does not look good. And maybe in a different situation, those people would be able to do the job. They've not done the job here. So it's time to Clean the slate, tear down the, the wreckage of the house, and start to build new. And that, and only then, even for the diehard fan who I, I feel bad for, that they have to sit through these seasons and, and it's almost like they're, um, it's almost like they, they're, they're, they're victims of the team where they, they're, they, they've been so battered that they just are looking for any little glimmer of hope when there is really no hope right now. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. All right, let's get a couple of calls in here. We'll start things off with uh, Sal is in Aberdeen. Sal, what's going on, my man? Hey, Gorge. A uh, little HOF talk. Uh, if I had a vote, it would be obviously Jeta, Schilling, Walker, Kent. Um, I mean, Kent to me was a guy that, you know, in that position is a punch and Judy position and, you know, he had 1,500 RBIs, most homeless by a second baseman, MVP. So for me, he should be in. I wouldn't put in Bonds. I wouldn't put in Clemens because they were Hall of Famers before. They got jacked up because everyone else was doing it. Their ego got to them, and they became, like, superhuman. And I wouldn't put Ortiz in either. None of those guys are going in for me. Um, with Walker, Colorado effect, that doesn't bother me because what about a pitcher who is in a pitcher-friendly ballpark or 
guys in Yankee Stadium with the short porch. That That's just the way it is. And another question I have for you is Pete Rose. I know it's it's 30 years since the gambling issue with him, but do you think they're going to wait till after he's dead? Or do you think that if you put in Bonds and those guys, then to me, you got to put Rose in also? Well, see, the thing with Rose is I don't really have any sympathy for Rose uh, because he, he knew the deal. He accepted the deal, and now he's living with the results of the deal. Now, maybe he thought that he wasn't go- it wasn't going to be this long. Well, that was a bad des- decision on his part. Pete Rose knew he should not have been betting on baseball. He did anyway. And here's the thing. He, he bet against his team. Otherwise, there would be no reason. If it were true that he had said for all, oh, you know what, I only bet on my own team. Yes, I knew it was wrong. They had the goods on him. They had the they had the, the the whole story. They know what the story was, and they went to him and said, "Okay, here's the deal. You can accept this deal or not. You can continue to fight it and continue to deny it, like he did for all those years. No, I never bet on baseball. But clearly, they knew that he was betting against his own team. So sorry, you don't get the day where we honor you. So I don't really have any sympathy for Pete Rose. Yeah, it's 31 years. That's a very long time, but I don't think that he'll, uh, I don't think he'll, and look, if you want to put him in the museum part, I'm pretty sure he is in the museum part. I haven't been there recently, so maybe they changed the exhibits over time, but the part where it's just kind of the story of baseball and you see the jerseys and the, and the bats and all those kind of things, he's in that part. But I'm not going to have a day for a guy who did what he was told, don't do this. And he did it. And he lied about it for years. And they had to go through a whole investigation to show he did it. And then when they said, look, Pete, we have the proof. Here it is. Okay, I'll sign, I'll sign it away. And then he's going to complain about it. I'm sorry. I just wouldn't – I myself would not honor somebody like that. Rich is in the car. Rich. Hey, Gordon. Good morning. Hey, man. What's up? Uh, yeah, I was – um, you left out uh, Bagwell, uh, Biggio, and uh, Piazza. Those guys were linked to the Mitchell report. They got in. So if they got in, Bond should definitely be in because he was a Hall of Famer before he even did steroids. And Clemens as well. Well, look, I'm not telling you, Richard, they weren't Hall of Famers before they started doing steroids, but they did steroids. And it's crystal clear. And the, and the guys you mentioned, Bagwell, Biggio, uh, Piazza, had there been whispers about those guys? Yes, there are whispers, but there was, I don't know for a hundred percent fact that they definitely used. And here's the thing. If I were involved in baseball and I had heard those whispers and people had told me, okay, these guys, well, then I wouldn't have voted for them. And if I didn't vote for them and yet they still got in, that wouldn't be to me a sign that, you know what? They got in. All hands are, all bets are off. Everybody gets in now. Myself. I would not then all of a sudden change what my 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 process was. I would not honor people who did something that was so dishonorable, just the way it goes. So, yeah, it's possible that those two guys get in, Clemens and Bonds. And look, I, I can understand if those two guys get in, it's kind of hard to make the case. <laughs> it's almost like the Harold Bain thing. If Harold Baines is in, how are you going to be upset about anybody getting in? But if those two guys do eventually get in, if it were me, I still would not change my process. My process would still be these guys did something wrong. If there was, if there was somebody else who came along that either got suspended or we knew for sure they had, uh, they had juiced, I would, not, I would not honor them. Simple as that. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, I don't know if this is something that's actually going to happen, but if it is, I'm out. 
there was something floated over the weekend of a possibility. How much disposable income do you have? I'll tell you right now, I don't have so much of it that I'd be willing to throw it away on this possibility. So I'll describe what it is coming up. Wow, we have covered a lot of ground today. A lot of ground. Baseball Hall of Fame announcement comes up at 6 o'clock tonight. That is our poll question for today. It's up on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. Uh, do you think that uh, clearly they're not going to get in this year? That would be a, a major upset. Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. And i got to be honest. While I like following along with the publicly released ballots, it does kind of take some of the – part of a nice thing is, when Hall of Fame Day comes is the surprise. Oh, who gets in this year? It's pretty clear we kind of know who's going to get in. We know Derek Jeter's going to get in. It certainly seems like – Larry Walker is going to get it. I guess that will be a little bit of a surprise, but not uh, exactly a shocker, not exactly a showstopper. And then we'll see how close Kurt Schilling gets. He's trending in the right direction. As long as he doesn't say anything controversial here over the next couple of years, I think that he'll eventually get in. But just how close does he come and then how close and, – and really does does the Clemens and Bonds grouping, do they pick up any ground whatsoever? But our poll question, which is up for today, is both Bonds and Clemens almost certainly are going to come up short today. But with two years left, do you think ever will be elected by the Baseball Writers of America? You can either go, yep, or nope. The poll question is up on Twitter. It's at Gordon Damer. A couple other things here before we hand things off to Golik and Wingo at the top of the hour. Over the weekend, we did not touch on this yesterday, but obviously Conor McGregor made his return to the octagon. A successful win over the Cowboy, uh, Cowboy Cerrone. I just learned Cowboy Cerrone's name, and now I do not need to remember that any longer. So then all of a sudden I saw tweets, and I, I guess they originally came from Floyd Mayweather, that uh, that Floyd Mayweather and McGregor too could be on the horizon. Is there anyone, anywhere, who would actually not watch it? But you know what? Yeah, even watch it. Is there anybody anywhere who actually has a desire to watch that. I'll admit, I joined the circus the last time. They got me. They suckered me in. 100 bucks? Yep. I was interested, even though I knew at the time there was next to zero chance that Conor McGregor was ever going to win that fight. I said that that would be the greatest upset in the history of sports as we know it. In our time alive, greater than Buster Douglas, greater than the miracle on ice, greater than all those things. If Conor McGregor had beaten Floyd Mayweather, that would have been the greatest upset of all time. Guy who's never bought, like as great as the Buster Douglas thing was, Buster Douglas was a fighter, (laughs) right? He was a boxer. He wasn't. A lion tamer, right? He, I mean, he was he was a boxer. So that upset, while great, those two guys did the same thing. Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather, while they're both, I guess, technically fighters, it's completely different styles. But they got me the last time. They're not going to get me again. I've seen it. I don't need to see any more of it. And even by the end of the first time, I was like, why, why did I do this? This was stupid. This was dumb. So, no, I have no interest. They could charge me a dollar, and I would not put up the dollar to watch that again because I've already seen it, and I know how it's going to end, and it's going to end with Conor McGregor losing again. All right, that's going to do it for today. 
Maybe tomorrow we'll get to the Nolan Arenado stuff. Hey, is Steve Cohen really? If the Mets front office wants to impress Steve Cohen, go get Nolan Arenado. He's apparently available. Please vote on the poll question. It's up on Twitter. It's at Gordon Damer. We're back tomorrow starting at 5 a.m. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.